Welcome to Recovery at Pal. My name is Kelly, and I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I breathe by God's grace. We believe that God allows us to call out to Him just as we are, and that we are worthy of the love and the help of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. No matter what's holding you down, such as grief and loss, addiction, codependency, sexual integrity, or your loved one who suffers from addiction, we are all recovering from something. We recover with Jesus, the 12 steps, and we recover together as a community. You can find our recovery page at palchurch.com. Click on the recovery link to find out more about us. Visit with us Thursdays for a free meal, worship, and small groups. In the meantime, please take a deep breath, invite Jesus to sit with you, and enjoy this message of hope that follows. Hey guys, my recovery story includes alcoholism, childhood trauma, and struggles with control, and God's mercies are new over my life. Every single morning as I sit at the feet of Jesus and I learn from my teacher one day at a time. And if uh, you're new tonight, or if you come every week, we want to say welcome home to you tonight. We're so glad you're here. You're in a safe place, and you are welcome here. Uh, We're in a sermon series that we're calling Teacher. And we're studying the gospel of Matthew as we follow Jesus, our great teacher. Now, all of the four gospels, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all offer very good news. But they're all very special and unique in their own way. And these books mark the beginning of the New Testament. And Matthew's gospel offers us a certainty of Jesus as the one true Messiah, our Savior. And it's the good news of Jesus that Matthew writes about. And he explains that that Jesus is God's holy son. He is the one who comes to save and that Jesus has all the authority given to him by the Heavenly Father to be our teacher. And Jesus teaches us how to live God's will on this earth. And Jesus teaches us how to realize God's peace for ourselves and for uh, our future and for his future disciples in this very broken world. So uh, we can become closer to him in that way. Jesus brings him, brings us closer to God through our suffering. Jesus offers us healing through his life, through his persecution, through his conviction, through his death by the cross and for his resurrection. And within Matthew's gospel with Jesus as our holy teacher, We lean into the healing as we work our 12 steps, and Jesus comes so very near to us. So far, we've studied steps one and two, and that's just been over the past couple weeks. We admitted we were powerless over our compulsive behaviors, our addictions, and our losses, and that our lives were unmanageable. We looked deep into that place of hopelessness, into ourselves, and finally realizing that we are really, truly powerless. And that when we surrender our illusion of that power to God alone, we find Jesus calling out to us. His arms are wide open in step two. And within step two, we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves, that he can restore us to that place of sanity, and that we can leave everything behind, all of those repetitious and destructive behaviors. We leave it all behind so that we can follow Jesus forward for our recovery. And tonight, we move into step three, and we will make a decision 
to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. And as we consider this, let's look at our first scripture for tonight. We are going to be in the gospel of Matthew. It's chapter 5, and it's verses 1 through 12. Hear these words. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We all pray with me. Sovereign Father, hallowed be thy name. Lord, that you gave us Jesus, our Savior, we're so grateful. As he walked with his disciples and as he continues to walk with us, we learn from him that we may sit at his feet to hear of you to be a part of your blessed kingdom, to know that you call us children of God. This gift you offer us of Jesus is full of your great mercy. Father, tonight, help us to offer our will and our lives over to you. Help us to discern what your good and perfect will is for us, your sons and your daughters. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. How many times have we asked God this question? Heavenly Father God, what is your will for my life? Or, hey God, um, I'm sure you have a sign for me, and you're going to show me what your plans are for my life. Could you just give me a hint? on what your purpose is for your plan for me. Perhaps this sounds a little bit more familiar. Um, Jesus, teacher, could you teach me how to get everyone off my back because I'm exhausted? I've admitted I'm powerless and that my life is unmanageable and I've come to believe that your power is greater and that you'll restore me to sanity. So can you throw me a bone at this point because I'm following you and I still seem to have this really big mess on my hands down here. And so far, I don't have a clue as how you want me to handle it. What do you want me to do? How will I know, God, what you want me to do? And that's exactly where we land at step three. We make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. 
and we pump the brakes, don't we? And we say, how? How do I make that decision? How do I know what God's good and perfect will is for my life? Because it's obvious I don't know because I'm stuck at step three. How do I work step three? And Jesus, he's very precise, and he teaches us how to work step three in the scripture that we just read. Peace. I don't know about you guys, but uh, before I started working the 12 steps, my life was not peaceful. And my life was in that constant place of chaos. And I struggled with alcohol for a very long time, around 20 years. And I finally quit because my addiction was eating me up from the inside out. It was literally killing me. It was eating up my insides. And I wandered through life sober for a while, and I was dry, and I was fearful, and I was angry. I wasn't drinking, but I was miserable. And everyone around me in my circle, I promise you, they were miserable too. I had my demands that I made in my control disease to anyone willing to tolerate my rants. And I replayed my childhood to the point of complete and total sleep deprivation. I marinated in my resentments toward my people and my places and my institutions. And when I finally got tired enough, I joined the 12 steps class at Recovery at Powell. Shameless plug. And I showed up uh, each week at class with my books, and I began to study God's Word. I studied my Bible in a whole new way, differently than I ever had before. And I began to study uh, my big book, my Alcoholics Anonymous book, and I began to read through the Hunger for Healing book for all of us good controllers in the audience. You know who you are. I don't have to tell you who you are. I know I'm one of them. Um, Step one was super-duper easy for me. I know that it can be hard for a lot of people, and I get that. But for me, step one was really easy. My life was hopeless. My life was unmanageable, and I was powerless. Nobody was paying any attention to me anymore. Check. That's, That's step one for me. Step two was a very pivotal moment for me in my recovery. If you know me, you know that step two is my my very favorite step. I looked at the insanity of how I was living my life, trying to control everyone and everything, every scenario, living in that place of fear, and I came to believe in a power greater than myself. And my path toward freedom and toward Jesus was unstoppable. Check. Step two. Then here comes step three. And I had to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. I had to release every chaotic thought and every chaotic action over to God. And I had to place myself in his care. No more chaos, just peace. And for me, that was very hard for me to do. And if I'm honest, this is really hard for me to do every single day. But because God's plans are good, I had some really excellent teachers uh, along my way as I worked the steps. Teachers, pastors, mentors, a therapist, a sponsor. For me, it it takes a village for my recovery to keep me out of that, that place of that dark place of self. 
But my ultimate teacher for step three is my Lord and my Savior, my Messiah, my King. My teacher is Jesus Christ. And I make the decision to allow him to be my light. And there's a prayer called appropriately the third step prayer. And uh, because I struggle with step three every single day, I pray this prayer to my teacher, Jesus. And you have a little copy of that paper sprinkled around in the chairs. Uh, Hopefully you have one that you can grab. And uh, I'm going to pray this uh, third step prayer. And you're welcome to read that and pray along with me. You don't have to. Uh, But here's how the third step prayer goes. God. I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. And when I pray that prayer, uh, I don't need to have that chaos going on in my life. I don't have that need. When I pray that prayer, I see God's peace for my life and for the lives of others. When I pray that prayer, I see that God's kingdom can be seen by me and by others. And there's that possibility for anyone I come into contact with to recognize God's kingdom. The scripture we read tonight at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins to preach his sermon on the mount. And when we read uh, in the scripture, when we read just a moment ago, it's lovingly referred to as the Beatitudes. And the scripture begins in this way. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to speak and he taught them. Jesus climbs up the mountain and he sits down so that everyone can gather around him to listen. His disciples came to him. They followed him up the mountain and they sat down at his feet. And Jesus begins to speak as their teacher. The scripture says he taught them. Now, the word beatitude, it can be a little bit confusing. It can be a little bit misunderstood, to say the least. Uh, For some of us folks, at least it was for me the first time I read it, when you read through the beatitudes, it, it sort of seems quite strange that Jesus is saying to be beautiful, to be accepted by God, to be blessed. We must be in pain, and it hurts. Okay. But there's a lot more to it, to the Beatitudes, than that. That that only really scratches the surface of what Jesus is really trying to teach us when they sat at his feet as he went through the Beatitudes with them. Jesus wants his disciples to know, and he wants us, his beloved, to know. When we hurt, and when we're exhausted in our pain, and when our spirits are at our lowest, when we've lost and when we're in that place of grief, when we must stop all of our destructive behaviors and we don't know how to live outside of those behaviors, when we're stuck in that place of suffering, but within our hunger and our thirst, spiritual and physical, we're closer to our Messiah than we ever have been before. He's all that we have left. And we ask him to draw so very near to us. 
We become meek, humble. And Jesus becomes enough. He's all we need. And within that stillness, we lay down our will and we lay down our chaotic lives and we surrender to God's plan of peace for his children. Blessed are. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus wants to teach his disciples and us a very different understanding of what it means to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. What Jesus wants us to understand is this, that we can make the decision to change our attitude for our lives, for the lives of others around us, and for God's kingdom. And the chaos can stop. And the peace that is God, which surpasses all of our understanding, can begin to take shape in us. When we make the decision to become peacemakers, children of God, when we make something, when we make anything we make, to make, we have to put some work into something, don't we? We have to put some labor in. Uh, there's stuff that we got to do. To make means that we're putting parts together. God created us to be part of the kingdom of God. Blessed are. Jesus says we are a part of his kingdom. Jesus climbs the mountain and we follow him to the top. We sit at his feet and he begins to teach us. He speaks to all of us. And he helps us to make the decision to change our attitude. He makes us new. He looks up upon us in our place of suffering. And he says that we are very good. To understand the Beatitudes, it really just simply means that we are supremely blessed. We're excellent and we are beautiful to him who is Jesus. We're fearful and we're wonderfully made by our Creator. And as we lean into His will for our lives, we make that decision to begin the long journey of recovery. We begin to climb the mountain and we work step three. And we'll begin to see and have that just very small understanding of what it could mean to receive peace and to offer peace to the next one, hurt, the next one hurting. We simply just make the decision to turn our will in our life over the care of God. And the Beatitudes, they also show us that it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. Chaos is familiar. And we know how to live in this way. And although it's very dark inside that chaos, we know what to expect, don't we? Peace is different. Peace brings light, and it brings us out of that place of hiding. Peace is peculiar. 
Contrary to what we might believe or what we might hope for, peace is not normal. With peace, nobody really buys what we're selling. Peace is never easy. Peace is hard. But it's possible. And Jesus is our mighty peacemaker. And when we are the peacemaker, when we work toward that peace for ourselves, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So how? How do we make that decision to move toward that place of peace, away from that familiar chaos? That, and Jesus, he's the one who shows us how. Jesus teaches us, rejoice and be glad. And I can just imagine the disciples sitting at the feet of Jesus. And these guys are perplexed, and they're scratching their heads just as fast as they can, aren't they? Because ever since they dropped everything and they began to follow Jesus, they have begun to experience severe persecution, haven't they? Just like Jesus does. Jesus, still the teacher, he says, Blessed are you when people revile you, when people persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus teaches us that to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understand him, we are to rejoice and be glad. So when we put in the work toward peace, we put in the work towards a new way of life, people who have seen us at our very worst, they've seen us in our darkest of places, they all witness, uh, all of a sudden we're doing our best to rejoice and be glad. And as we pursue peace, as it gets so hard to do, um, we're going to experience pushback when we decide to be in that place. And when we speak about Jesus and all that he's doing for our lives, as we make the decision to turn our thoughts and our actions over to his care alone, alone, working our steps toward peace might look like to our family and to our friends and even our enemies. It just might look like rejection. It might look like removal, boundaries, and saying no to what people want us to do. But we have to say yes to what God calls us to do. No longer living in that place of chaos, but in a place of peace at the feet of Jesus. He teaches us that when people revile us and they persecute us and they utter all kinds of evil against us falsely, because that's what we're learning. We're doing this thing about Jesus. Instead, we must rejoice. And instead, we must be glad in step three. What does Jesus say next? Blessed are we. Because we are, we're blessed. It's in uh, verses 13 through 16. Jesus in the, is the teacher and he teaches us how. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand, and it gives light to uh, all in the house. In the same way, 
Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The purpose of salt for our gift of food is that it enhances the taste of our food, doesn't it? It makes everything taste good. It offers purity to our food. Salt even uh, offers clarity to how things taste. Salt preserves our food so that it can last and that it can carry us through our day. So must we be salt for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus teaches us God's will for our lives in the scripture. We just read it, so don't miss it. We give glory to the Father in heaven. This is the will of God for our lives. How do we do that? How do we give him glory? We are the salt of the earth. We offer the goodness of God to all who are willing to taste of his good and perfect will for his hurting children. When we offer only good thoughts, good actions, as God's peace covers our lives, we lean into the, the good blessings of Jesus Christ. We worship God alone. We believe in his power and we put in the work to come into recovery and attend in a small group. We seek God's will for our lives in anonymous meetings throughout our week. We surround ourselves with safe teachers, sponsors, pastors, mentors. We decide peace is better than the chaos of our old lives. And we sit at the feet of Jesus and he seasons our days and he seasons our nights. And God the Father, he's glorified. He gets all the credit. And what do we get? Peace. Yeah. Jesus teaches us in that same scripture, we are the light of the world. What happens in the light with Jesus? We don't have to hide, and we don't want to hide anymore. We stand in that place of peace, and in our light, we only give Jesus the glory. We offer his light to all in the house. No more shadows. Jesus teaches us that the light cannot be covered. And so our light shines before others so that they may see God's work happening in us and through us, slow and steady. And because of the mercy and the grace of Jesus, our beloved teacher, God gets all the glory. He gets all the credit. And what do we get? Peace. Yeah, peace. Now, don't y'all be going home tonight and turning on all the lights on in the house and telling everybody about themselves and, and your household. That is not nice, and that is not light. We don't control and we don't fix those behaviors places back in that chaos that we're trying so hard to leave behind. You show them how Jesus is working in your life. Work step three. And the light of Jesus will shine upon you and through you to keep you out of that dark place, out of the chaos, and into his perfect peace, even when you face persecution, because Jesus says it's going to come. Hold your head up to the light of Jesus, because he works in your life in this way. I've made a decision. And I'm turning my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him one day at a time. 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was a peacemaker. He was a man who dreamed of equality and justice for all people, those who were persecuted because of their color of their skin. And as he spoke up for the rights of blacks, for men and women in the 1950s and the 1960s, his dream and his prayer called for peaceful protests, which actually often landed him in jail. As he was persecuted for his vision of peace for all of humankind, Dr. King loved God. And just like us in this room tonight, I believe that daily, Dr. King struggled with turning his will and his life over the care of God as he understood him. If Dr. King was alive today, he might even say, working that step three, working toward peace, it's never easy. And in fact, it's really hard. Dr. King struggled to bring whites and blacks together, hard conversations were had often to invite that holy tension into our places of difference. He worked toward peace with these words. World peace through nonviolent means is neither absurd nor unattainable. It seems all other methods have failed. Thus we must begin anew. Be the peace that you wish to see in this world. Jesus is our teacher, hallelujah. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we work step three and our whole attitude begins to shift. Our thoughts and our actions move away from that place of dark chaos into that delightful and hard place of peace. Rejoice and be glad because Jesus teaches us you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Be supremely blessed and give glory to our Father in heaven. This is God's good and perfect will for our lives. Let's end together again with a third step prayer before the band plays us a wonderful song. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. As you journey into your next moment or your next 24 hours of recovery, know that you are worthy, loved, and welcome at Recovery at Powell any Thursday night from 5.45 p.m. to 8.45 p.m. Check us out online at palchurch.com and visit the recovery link for more information. Let's close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. 
taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is and not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever and the next. Amen.